Hey everyone, welcome back to Adherent Apologetics. As always, we are brought to you by you with your support on patreon.com slash Apologetics. If you enjoy the show, you can support the show on Patreon. But with that out of the way, I am here with the man, Karsten Frisk, also known as Some Apologist, doing lots of cool stuff. Um, welcome, Karsten. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Zach. I've been looking forward to this. I think we're going to have a great conversation here. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited for this conversation. It's a really important one. Um, and we're just going to be talking about like engagement and like how can Christians engage in these conversations with the atheists better. Um, obviously, we live in a very interesting time regarding just like how people interact. It can be almost very toxic at times. And what I've seen from Karsten is just really good conversations online from what I've seen from Karsten. So no pressure. Um and just like <laughs> Carson's a really cool dude. He's very chill, but he's also representing Christ well. He's very knowledgeable. Um, so just to start off, Carson, can you just talk a little bit about like who you are and what you do in case someone doesn't know who this man Carson Frisk is? Sure. I will give them the rundown as quickly as I can. So my name is Carson Frisky. Uh, it's commonly pronounced as Carson Frisk. So Zach, you, you got half Oh, okay. <laughs> you did better than most. You did better than most. I'll take it. <laughs> it's okay. So um, academically speaking, I am uh, currently finishing my bachelor's of science degree in psychology at Georgia. This year, I graduated with my two-year associate's degree in psychology from Georgia Military College. I also have a certificate in apologetics through Biola University's Talbot School of Theology. And in terms of what I do, as Zach mentioned, I just kind of do live streams around apologetics. And I just have really, really open conversations, which has got me in trouble sometimes. But I just kind of title things as an open discussion about Christianity or come in and bring your questions. And I'll be on different streaming sites and have conversations with people online as well as in person and just trying to, you know, bring Christ to people in a format that is comfortable to them so we can engage better. Yeah. One of the things, as I said before, I'm going to repeat this. I love how just how engaging you are just is very open. It seems like, I mean, if I was a skeptic, it seemed like a very welcoming place to kind of start and be asking questions. Um, but let's just, let's take a few steps back just to start. Sure. Um, so you're a Christian. How, why are you a Christian? How did you become a Christian just to start off? Sure. That's a good place to start with this. Absolutely. Um, it was definitely a process for me. I was, I guess what you could call a pretend believer for many years. So I went to church and I did church things and I was the and I was in Sunday school and did ushering and helped out around church. And I kind of had the image for that. But on the inside, I kind of thought it was really funny that I was fooled. I wasn't actually a believer. And so I was kind of just under this mentality of, hey, I'm doing these good things, but I'm not going to go all the way to people. Um, and besides the fact, in my mind, I was just sort of like, as long as you're not reckless or you don't have a disease or something, you're going to have a couple decades to figure this stuff out. Mm -hmm. And I can just sort of engage in what I want to, and it can be my business and so on and so forth. But one thing that really bothered me about being in church, even during periods of time when I really lived as though the question about God's existence didn't have any meaning to me. And people can define that whatever they want. It's definitely not atheism. It's probably not agnosticism. It's just, that's kind of how I approached life. The question didn't apply to me. I, I was always sort of convicted. 
And that feeling never really went away sometimes. And that bugged me because I thought if this is just all made up and just sort of a lot of social pressure in church, then this should go away. And it never did. And that sort of played in my mind a little bit. And then the question of, hey, am, am I actually the one missing out by not believing in Jesus, the paradigm of heaven and hell, but in the now, right now, like John 10, 10, I've come so that you may have life and life abundantly. The definition of life was very different. And as I learned more about according to Jesus, it became more appealing very contrasting to the way I was living. So I desired that, but I also didn't desire to alter all of my behaviors to the way Christ would desire. So I tried to do it myself, did sort of a, a DIY version of that. That did not work. <laughs> I should have known better. And uh, eventually, the last thing that was sort of keeping me from becoming a Christian was this sort of invincibility mentality where I thought, kind of like what I was saying earlier, I'm not sick. I'm not reckless. I have decades to figure this out. And then ultimately, I had been following a story about a YouTuber who was my age who was in the hospital. And, okay, we need to we need prayer for this. And I followed it. And the next day, that person died. There has to be a reason for this. Looked it up. And the family announced he had an undetectable heart condition, which even 30 minutes before his last video, they never would have been able to tell that he his heart was going to stop. And it sort of just showed me like, hey, uh, he wasn't in control of that. No control of that. I'm not really in control of a lot of the things that I think I'm in control of. I need to really reevaluate these questions. So long answer short, I became a Christian on October 7th, 2015. And that's just a little bit of the quick background. And then immediately sort of my attitude changed. You know, I didn't tell people that I had made this commitment. I genuinely wanted to help. I genuinely cared about people. That was a big change for me because I wasn't expecting that. And then down the line, I got into apologetics in 2017. Hmm. It's amazing to me, like how we can have these, like um, we can witness these tragedies, and it can make us just like question things. I remember in my own life, the first time I really actually was interested in the question of like, does God exist, was after the death of someone I knew in my personal life, hmm. and I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to like figure out this like heaven and hell and all this uh, important stuff. Yeah. Who is this Jesus guy? Is there any reason to believe in God? All these things. Um, but obviously, like a lot of people are just christians most people that are christians probably don't even know what like apologetics is so like what got you interested in the like apologetics and all this stuff karsten well that's unfortunately true um in most church circles apologetics is just sort of this weird long word where a lot of people just think you're apologizing for something which is not but i got into it um primarily through a streaming site that i had used before i was a christian called you sure if you're familiar it was sort of in the mid 2010s um it if you aren't i don't blame you because it was i don't know that i was kind of like in the dark back then so i don't know dark, so we'll just <laughs> um so i was on you now okay. and i had seen 
hashtag Christian stream. So everything was broken up into hashtags and hashtag Christian would trend some nights. And there would be some really knowledgeable pastors on there and they would go life advice. And I thought, well, that's really cool. But they have doctorate degrees and they they know how to counsel people like this. Um, and it, it was just cool to watch. And that's kind of, even though I was a Christian at that time, eventually, that's what pastors do. That's the extent of outreach. And then I discovered hashtag atheist, which was very intriguing. And it started trending, hashtag atheist. And I thought my first impression was that they were going to be atheists advice from Christians. I was very wrong. <laughs> Instead, what I found was um, a lot of people giving objections, and they were very objective objections. It wasn't something based healing. And I was just sort of like, well, I know what's happening, but I'm not sure how I can really lead this person in an objective way to Christ. So they gave very simple questions. How can we trust the New Testament? Didn't a bunch of people just compose this later and stuff like that? After that stream, I Googled each one of these questions because I had actually conversations so I could go back on it. Looked at all the questions, got some answers, and was hoping to meet that person on you now again. Never did. But I did meet other atheists, and the questions were the same. And I was like, oh, I, I have some notes on that. And eventually, I took the plunge one night and said, I'm going to stream on hashtag Christian. And the first night was amazing. And the second night, none of skeptics came in, and I was very... But what I quickly realized was demeanor and not being prepared was everything. Because they were expecting... and they were able to ask their no clue how to answer. I at least was talking back and forth with them. And over time developed sort of my own notes. And I went off for a year on just videos on YouTube of apologetic answers. Didn't know apologetics books existed. I'm not sure if it was providential or not, but the first time I ever Googled apologetics books, I think only one book showed up and it was Norman Geisler's The Big Book of Christian Apologetics. And I thought, Oh, so it's just like this historical thing. No one's doing this now. Wrong. So it, it took a while, and then I finally am starting to literary um, collection of a lot of these people that I started listening to in the early days. So that was the beginning, and of course now I've gone to different sites and done different things with apologists where sort I've of got tied in. So uh, really quickly, the YouTuber that you're talking about, was their name Caleb LeBlanc? That was their name. Someone in the live chat, yeah. Susan Lambeau, was like, is it this person? And I guess she nailed it. So Nailed it on the head. And this is coincidentally, I think it was today, his five-year anniversary of his passing. Oh, wow. So mm. um, prayers to his family, of course, that ends. And we can only imagine what they're going through. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely Yeah, it's a really... It's a tragedy. So um, you've been engaging with like atheists for a while. I mean, obviously, it sounds like you're like a journeyman. You have like, what, like 2000 debates under your nose or something like that. <laughs> but like, what's the like, what's the timeline like of like engaging with atheists, like from the time where you first get on this app uh, to now, like, what does it look like the story of just like your engagement um, with atheists? 
Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, when you see people that do apologetics, you they started, they must have had this big, like, amount of knowledge of how to do things. And when, like, I know for me, when I started out, it was just a very raw kind of experience because I was coming at this more from the advice side of things. So like biblical advice on situations. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I would get into evidence. One of the mistakes that I made that I wanted to talk about was as soon as I would learn to some common questions and people would ask those questions, I would typically just go into the answer. I would never mm -hmm. even introduce myself hardly to the person besides, Hey, welcome, insert username. What do you want to talk about? And that was it. And in some of my other work where I did some interviews with Jewish and Islamic and Mormon leaders, when I interviewed them in person, I noticed myself doing the exact same thing. And when friends and family of mine after those interviews would ask, hey, like, what was the story on these people? I couldn't say anything mm -hmm. because I would skip getting to know these people. And especially when you're dialoguing online, there's a very high likelihood that you're going to interact with those people again. So that was a huge mistake that I made. I was very headstrong and just going into the answers and thinking that that would build um, some sort of online relationship with the person. And sometimes that would be that would come off wrong. Started out very much with just having anyone come in that would want to talk. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it was people that would just say, well, there's no God. And it wasn't really a question. It was just a statement. You know, there is no God, period, not question mark. Um, and so I would just sort of counteract that with, well, why do you think that? Mm. And I don't think a lot of people were expecting that. And in fairness, some other Christians that started joining those streaming sites would typically either block people if they were questioning central aspects of Christianity. And my stream kind of became known as a place where I didn't block people. Um, mm. That was one thing I think I did do right in the beginning was not blocking people. Muting is a different thing. Muting, the mute button can actually help in some circumstances, but blocking is, is a, a very big issue for some people um, because they almost think that you're running away, that their questions don't matter and, and things like that. Mm, yeah. So it's evolved. It's evolved in methodology to the point where now, you know, I try and get to know the person, try and get to know where they're coming from with the objection, if they have a personal sort of relation with that objection. Um, and just seeing, not assuming that there is naturalism, you mm, know, or, yeah. or something like asking. And we'll get into more about I can kind of keep up with that and make sure that you're accurately representing the other person's view. I have a couple of tips on that after these informal mm. debates I've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of good points. We'll just start. I think this is so important, just like learning about who someone is. Like, I mean, obviously mm -hmm. you're from the South, you're from Georgia, um, but I'm from the Northeast and we're very like got to the point and it's something I've had to work <laughs> on is yeah. like, I need to like, as soon as I meet someone, it's like, okay, what can I get out of this conversation? Let's get right to the point. But um, in coming mm -hmm. to the South, I've realized, and obviously like Americans definitely aren't perfect at this, but like we need to like <laughs> sure. learn who people are. Like if you don't care about who someone is, they're not going to care about mm -hmm. what you have to say. So like, how has that looked in like yes. your, in your experience? Yeah. I mean, 
for people that have come into streams where talked or they're told like, hey, you're blaspheming because you're using bad language. I mean, it's sort of just for our side, like you have to understand these people are coming in not as Christians. They're not going to have Christian ideals coming in. That's the point <laughs> to in interact with people um, that don't share the same viewpoint. And so your expectations have to be a little bit different. But with getting to, you know, it, it, it's just you have to if the conversation goes in a different way where it's more personal saying, hey, let that happen. Hmm privilege to be able to hear the stories of people, especially if you're talking to someone like if the Democrat left the church at an early age or left the faith, to be able to hear their, their story of that and any sort of traumatic experience or just struggle that they went through with that a gift from our end, because it's a, it's a sign of trust building. And, you know, to be able to share something with them as well as a sign of trust building. And it's just kind of strange, I think, for some people to do that online. But what I have myself is at the end of the day, even if it's someone that's quote unquote trolling on the other side and just trying to derail the conversation, that person is a person on the other side mm, of that screen. Yes. They may have a weird avatar or weird name or they may you out even. But they are a person at the end of the day. I even had a slogan in the early email where I would tell people that that some Christians like, ah, oh, they shouldn't be saying this on here. Trolls have souls. And for some reason, it stuck and, you know, it just kind of shifted the attitude of people. Wait, I could be, I could be in their situation. Without Christ, I could be the exact same thing that they're doing. And I need to show them grace like Christ and so it's just a reminder for things like that. Trolls have souls. I love it. But I mean, you're, you're so yeah. right. Like, you're just right. Um, so another point that you bring up here that's really interesting is like understanding someone's worldview. Like, I mean, I grew up in the church, but I wasn't necessarily a Christian. But I always just kind of like assumed that an atheist was someone who just said that like God does not exist. I remember yeah. I have this vivid memory in eighth grade where I was sitting next to someone on the bus. And they're like, I'm an atheist. And I'm just like, cool. I don't even know what that means. Uh, but eventually, fast forward <laughs> yeah. a few more years, I, I realized I just thought atheists were people who said God doesn't exist. But obviously, like if you look at atheism on, especially on YouTube, that's not what they say. Um, so, what's like the importance of like actually understanding uh, an atheist or a non-Christian's beliefs when we're like we're engaging with them? Yeah, it's important to understand and to put yourself in their shoes because. It's very easy from our side to just be like, well, how do you not believe this? Or how do you believe this? But if you put yourself in their shoes, you also know from your own experience that beliefs don't just sort of happen overnight. There's events and that's no exception. And so, you know, evaluating and taking interest in it shows that you are are interested in the whole story. You aren't interested in the points that only just affect the kind of arguments you can make. You're interested in knowing the whole person. And so that it is a respect for the person and a respect for the experiences that they have gone through. But it's important to engage well. And like I was saying before, that there's a lot of hospitality and the most important thing you can do first when you're having a conversation like this online or even in person is to remind yourself that hostility is expected. And if you can defy that in the first moments of the conversation, 
it really is a change for people. And like I said before, when I didn't know answers to things and I didn't know how to approach different conversations, people at least walked out and said, it was a good conversation. I will come back. I will think about what you said. It, they weren't put off by a Christian yelling at them and saying, this is what I believe and I don't want to hear what you believe. It was an exchange. And so it's, it's important to understand where they're coming from. We don't want to be misunderstood either. I think that's one of the big fears as Christians that in society we would be misunderstood. Well, mm. as Jesus says, do unto others as you would have done unto you also applies to conversation. Go figure. So, you know, it's just you want people to understand you as the entirety of the person that you are, not subset system that you have. Mm. It's just extending that grace to other people. Yeah, I think it's something that keeps coming up here is we don't want to put words into atheist mouths. I know there's one yeah. pretty famous ap apologist who often be like, well, atheists believe that this whole universe exploded out of absolutely nothing. And like, mm -hmm. that's just not what most atheists believe. Like we, it's so important that as apologists that we, and not just apologists, just as Christians is actually just trying to understand mm -hmm. like, what do you believe? And I think um, it kind of goes like tactics by Greg Kukul. Like when we talk about like what someone actually yeah. believes, it helps actually like find a foundation of reality, which is hopefully like we're all truth seeking. You would hope, right? Exactly. That's the goal. So, so and, and that's really important for sure. Go ahead. No, no, no. I had nothing. I, it's all you, bro. Okay. I just wanted to mention one other thing too, in terms of getting to know the person. I'll also know your role in this, that you may be the first person to hear some of these questions. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard some people, when you interact online, you have this anonymity that is available to you. So you can have a username, you can have an avatar that does not reflect you. Mm -hmm. And so this is the opportunity for you to address repressed questions. Mm -hmm. And this can is in the church where the church is not talking about these questions. Someone that is younger or older and just needs an outlet for these things. And you can be the first person to hear these questions. So that's why because, and I've failed at this many times <laughs> where someone will ask an, an, like a ridiculous sort of question. And I'm just like, okay. Then one like heavy on the sarcasm here. Wait a second. What if this person has never asked this to anyone before? You know, um, sometimes you can tell through a pattern if someone is definitely just trolling and has used this line a million times. But in other situations, it's just kind of like tone this down. You are in opportunity here. Mm. Something um, that you bring up that's so important is just remembering, like, especially like online, behind every avatar is like a human being who has their own mm -hmm. story and has had lived whether they're 15 years old or 50 years old like they're they've had experiences and it's like they're a human being made in the image of god um and they they are just as much of a sinner as i am and i think that's one of the more like humbling ourselves because i think especially like when i see like the online avatar on like twitter i'm just like oh my gosh this guy has no idea what he's talking about like that's the wrong yeah. mindset we have to look at each person like the image bearer that they are and i think it's so important that you bring that up 
For sure. I mean, it's easy on Twitter. As soon as you click the more replies button where all of the other sort of <laughs> oh, no. No picture avatars live, you're just, I mean, you kind of know going in that like there are going to be some replies here that are going to probably elicit a response from me that is not going to be appropriate <laughs> to respond to them. And, you know, it that's something I've had to learn as well of kind of like, hey, let's take a moment before replying to people. Let's maybe even pray a moment before we give a long response to people mm -hmm. here, because this is going to be a reflection of Christ. And even though their profile might not be so well polished like others, like you said, their soul is equal. And, mm -hmm. you know, your Twitter profile does not impact the value of your soul. So it's just a, a moment to remind ourselves of that. Yeah, it's so important. Uh, what else do you think? Like, I think one of the most common things that will get thrown out, out on us is like, we're just trying to defend an intellectually bankrupt idea or like you're God, you know, these like common one-liners that you'll get. There's no evidence for God. Um, Jesus didn't exist. I, even mm -hmm. though it's not as common, like when you get these one-liners thrown at you, like how can we respond? Cause I think it's so easy to like, just be like, Oh, full send, get ready, lay it, lay them down, yeah. show them what's up. <laughs> like how, how do we respond? Like when we get these like one-liners where it seems like they're not even like looking for a conversation, but it's also like important to still be engaging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's for the knockout punch approach there, but at the end of the day, I think even just interacting with those people is something different. So like I said before, just ask, well, how'd you come to that conclusion? Kind of like a Coco question there. Why do you think that? What's your definition? Um, what would be the definition of intellectually prosperous if you think Christianity is intellectually, intellectually bankrupt? You don't even know what the person even considers Christianity to be. Some people, and I've noticed this as well, one thing that I didn't focus on early on was people's understanding of the gospel because mm -hmm. you can give a bunch of different points as to why Christianity is true, but if they don't know the method to them personally and what they need to do about that. And if that's distorted, then that everything before them. So even asking people like, hey, what do you think the gospel is? What do you think it actually means to be a Christian? Mm. You know, what, what do you think Christians have to believe in? Do you mm. think all Christians are young earth creationists? Do you mm. think that all Christians, you know, just sort of do a bunch of street preaching that is in a very hostile way? You know, just sort of gauging like coming into this conversation with. And granted, I don't want this to come off as a lofty idea, like you're going to get through all of that in a Twitter conversation and a Twitter reply, because that's very hard to do. But DMing the person or even saying in the conversation, like, hey, if you want to talk about this more, my DMs are open. Because, mm. you know, it's easy on this chain Twitter conversation of 14 replies and you can't really get anywhere. Mm. But saying... My DMs are open. Reach out to me if you want. We can call on Discord or something like that. That then puts the ball on their court. If they want to continue engaging personally, it is now up to them. Um, the way to approach things and to gauge their interest as well. I think something so important that you bring up is, I know I always start with, I think something so important. I've just noticed that. But something that comes up, because a lot of these things you're saying are really important. And one is just, helping people realize what Christianity really is. Like I was mm -hmm. in a debate with he's, I'm pretty sure he's listening. Deconverted man, Dan, how's it going? My man, Dan. Um, and I'm going to say this as respectfully as possible, but in his opening statement, um, 
they seem to not really understand what like the Christian message was uh, with a lot of like common theological beliefs. Take for existence, the existence uh God, like uh, is God, does God have a gender? It seemed like he almost believed that mm-hmm. Christians believed that God was like actually a male, not a female. Or like uh, there were uh-huh. Christians who didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Like it was very like essential mm-hmm. things. And I was just, I was thinking about it with all due respect. And I'm like, well, we, as apologists, like we need to be like helping people understand the basics of like the gospel. Like we get so caught up in talking yeah. about the Kalam cosmological argument. And is there <laughs> actually an actual infinite that can exist? I'm reading through Alex Malpass's paper right now on that. I'm like, mm-hmm. interesting argument to try to make that an actual infinite can exist. I don't agree with it. Different conversation. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it's just like, we get so caught up in these like little theological points or philosophical points, but we miss the gospel. Like it's such an important Thing to really understand yeah that, that's a big tragedy in a lot of these conversations of getting so focused in on the philosophical side like the core tenets of the belief that you're representing so you know the core of the gospel should be important to anyone that's having these conversations whether you're a christian or from, because you should want to represent your opponent's belief accurately you know, you should want to be able to represent that. If you have objections to that, be able to give objections that are rooted in the actuality of the belief and not a straw man of it. So mm-hmm. it's really important for both people to look into that. The same thing when we look at atheism and agnosticism, you know, just extending that same grace of saying, okay, well, you even define atheism. How do you define agnosticism? What does that mean for mm-hmm. you? Yes, yes, you, yes. You know, because... It's really easy to get into like, well, here's the objective definitions are helpful as well. But, you know, for the sake of talking to a person, for the first conversation I have with people, if I kind of have the instinct that I'm going to be talking to them more, you know, it's just kind of like, let me, to put it this way, I'm not doing a lot of responding in the first conversation. You know, I, I try to do more listening than responding. And that counts for, you know, any number of conversations, different religions, different denominations of, you know, let me get the full picture or the fullest picture I can in this moment. And then I can sort of start responding. Mm. Yeah. I think that's something so interesting is there's, there's a time for debating and then there's a time for just listening. Like that's something I've been trying to do like in my own like channel. And like what I'm doing is obviously I try to debate a couple times a year where I'm just like, okay, I'm going after you're going after you a little bit, just like we're debating. But then a lot of like what I do with like the pod, like if you listen to the podcast, it's just a lot of listening. Like I had Joe Mm -hmm. Schmidt on a couple of weeks ago. He's an agnostic. I love Joe because everyone has a bone to pick with him because he's an ex theist. He's also an ex atheist. So like literally Mm -hmm. like atheist and theist should have like, he was one of us, but then he left us, but he's also not one of us now. Um, Joe's pretty cool. And just like there's a there's a time to debate and there's a time to listen. And I think that's something so important that you bring out. Um so anything else like when we're engaging with atheists or non-Christians, like what are do you have any other like kind of like general tips that you think are super important for um engagement? For sure. So definitely I, I want to mention as well that everything that I'm talking about here is not some sort of kind of like new idea. It's very much rooted in it verse of 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always be being ready to give a defense for the hope that is within you. Yet do this with gentleness and line. 
Um, it, it is going back to that foundation. Now, the application of that and the methodology for how we do that may have some different facets depending on who you're interviewing. So mm. I might have some different principles than others, but the foundation um, it, it should be that. Um, points that I would lay out for people, um, I, I more of your genuine concern for people, uh, whether this be online when you're actually live, that can be difficult because you have people watching and, you know, in psychology, it's called the reactivity effect. You know, you, you want to put on a good face for it, but even just being willing when you have guests like, Hey, here's my email, here's my phone number. Even, um, if you want to talk about these things afterward, one-on-one -on -one or at any time, and, you know, just putting yourself out there for that option to express your, your genuine desire to share with people. Um, if there's something going on in that person's life to just be like, hey, that's terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. You don't have to explicitly mention that you're praying for them if you want, but it's just taking an interest and caring about that person. Um, as I mentioned before, when they open up about something personal, you don't have to rush back to the apologetics part of this. <laughs> so like, if someone opens up and it's just like, yeah, hey, man, my mind is really hazed because I did it. You don't want to go back to the moral argument and be like, well, if there's no objective morality, then there's no reason that your dog dying was bad. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not the way to approach it. Like, you know, yeah. or, or just to go back, well, I'm really sorry about that one. Um, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, this person's going through something. They're a person, you're a person. You don't have to rush back to the arguments. That will happen in time. There'll be plenty of time for it. Um, Definitely, as I was saying, just be available to people. Um, demonstrate that your caring isn't just for show with the audience and everything like that. I'll say this from my perspective. Half of the conversations that I have are live. The other half, direct message or just in the comment section, very much obscured from the public eye. Mm. After the conversation, it, and this can be bigger figures. It can be just that person with no avatar, no picture. And then messaging afterward and being like, hey, everything you said tonight was hitting a nerve with me, but I have this follow-up question. And just telling people at the end of your stream or broadcast, like, hey, you can reach out to me on Instagram or whatever. Being available for that is really good. Um, and I would also sort of end with I have a, a sort of revolutionary idea. Um, this might blow some minds. A notepad. <laughs> a notepad. And the reason I bring up the notepad is because this has been sort of a recent development development for me, which has helped a lot. And the reason is for this. So I first used a notepad in conversations in a college debate that was not apologetics related. It was about ethics and then all kinds of different things. But they had a notepad for us because we had briefed our cases, our, our briefs for the cases with. And so we just had to. And I carried with that from that college debate experience, um, having a notepad right beside me when I'm engaging with someone for the first time, for the 15th time, their username or avatar or, or actual name at the top. And then listing different things that I hear as we're going along. Like, I think this person is a materialist. I think they're a naturalist or something like that. Mm -hmm. And specifically quoting someone. So if there's something that sticks out before, I just had to remember it and be like, this person said a one, I really need to counteract here. But if I write it down, 
that's so much more effective because you're writing it down in their words, barely avoid the most common thing in online conversations. Said it, Zach, you're putting words in my mouth mm-hmm. yeah. it's all the time and people get upset about it. Um, and so you eliminate that. It takes pressure off of you because you have it down on the pad. And if it takes five minutes for that person's turn to end, you still have it written down there and you're not trying to think organized. And I would even in college debate, I would list the numbers one more after the person was finished as to the points I wanted to hit. Like these are the most important things and this is how I'm going to close. You know, it does, you don't have to write in full. And and so really it, it causes you to accurately listen, respond effectively or clearly. So you have like this trilemma of things to where just a simple notepad and pen can be so enriching to the conversation. So mm-hmm. that's my idea. <laughs> I, there's a lot of great ideas there. A uh, couple thoughts. One more question. We'll get a little bit of Q&A because there's actually a lot in the chat. You were wrong pre-stream. Really? People, people want to hear what you have to say. A uh, couple well, thoughts. Pre-stream, I thought there'd be two questions. So good job, guys. <laughs> well, you were wrong. <laughs> So uh, one thing I think <laughs> that you bring up is this idea of like the emotional side of beliefs is so important. Like I think a lot mm-hmm. of times we get stuck into the idea that, oh, it's got, you got to be purely intellectual in how you think. But the truth is all of us are really thinking with our hearts as much as we all are thinking with our head. That's Christians and atheists. There's yeah. a lot of emotional points of belief and the other thing is taking something away i think that's such an important thing for both christians and atheists mm-hmm. like when you're engaging with someone like hopefully you're learning something like i remember i was debating dan um and one thing i really i brought up that he brought up that's really important is the idea of an idea being tested obviously i don't think everything can be tested i just tweeted today about this idea of like brute facts and stuff that can't be tested either but like thinking about this mm-hmm. criterion of testability or yeah. some sort of repeatable test really important thing to think about when we're thinking about these deep uh, metaphysical questions but my last question for you karsten uh is mm-hmm. the, uh, you're a psych major so um lots of cool stuff you're yes. learning in psych. there's not many apologists in psych i can know you and jay medinwong i think are the two that i know of uh but how is like That's your study psychology <laughs> impacted apologetics yeah well i say that's about it those are jay is the one that i primarily know of and you know he has master's degrees in psych and is in a phd program zach interviewed him as well you should definitely watch that on zach's channel it was a good one uh but yeah so i'm at a really interesting program at the university of west georgia my first two years i did a very much a natural science perspective so statistics and applying uh, psychological methodology to a large amount of people But the program that I'm in at West Georgia is very much um, case study, uh, personal basis, very humanistic in the sense of approaching people uh, for who they are as an individual. Um, So it's all very coincided, you know, with apologetics, you know, unintentionally, it's been very helpful. In in fact, the founder of the the department here was um, Abraham Maslow. And, you know, he sort of realized, hey, there's a Yes, hierarchy of needs, you got it. So he was kind of like, hey, there's a lot more to just this hierarchy of needs. There's like something above this. So some would call that spiritual. Obviously, it's not really defined at a secular university, and it's not really supposed to be. Um, and so just a lot about psychology is, you know, value valuing each person's perspective. And I, I really appreciate it because in my natural science or study of psychology, 
I often wondered in polling and in statistics, like what about the people that fall outside of the statistical um, realm of significance in statistics? You know, what about the ones in the 2% on either side curve? And this takes everything into account. And so in the same way, apologetics of like, hey, there may be some 98% of people, but what about the 2% of people? You know, percent of people in terms of else, you know, um, do we need to reframe the argument? It's just having a 100% mindset. And it also goes back to Jesus as well of, you know, leaving the none, the 99 that already believe, let's go to the one who doesn't. You know, so it, it very much sort of intertwines with that. Um, it kind of just meshes with that in in a sort of fun way. So yeah. All right, let's do a little bit of Q and A because we got a good chunk let's of questions it. here. Um, a question from Skeptical Mantis. Thank you for the question. Um, I do want to say, as always, as we answer questions, we'll answer as many as we can. If we get super chats, those will always uh, be answered. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, Skeptical, Skeptical Mantis says, "Why do you need apologetics? Isn't the Holy Spirit good enough?" Yeah, that's. There are a couple in-text examples and scripture of people within the New Testament and in the whole Bible, really, that gave reasons for why it was going on at the time. So, you know, it's going out and making a case. This is Lord in, you know, all of his missionary journeys. So we could also apply that to Paul and say, well, Paul, why, why do you need to go and spread the gospel? Is, isn't the Holy Spirit good enough? You know, I mean, if Paul's making a defense and, and he's appealing to these Greek philosophers and all of these different cultures, well, why, why does Paul need to do that? Shouldn't the Holy Spirit just do that? And obviously, as we read scripture, we read the purpose of this is, one, we get the privilege of doing this. Mm. And, you know, it, it's offering people a perspective based off of a person to person conversation, right? Come let us reason together here. Let's let's think this through. And, and really, um, skeptical mantis, it's sort of a question of if we're going to say that the Holy Spirit is in charge um, solely, then why mission work at all? And when you think of it that way, and you look at the application of the Holy Spirit, and it's a comfort. It's a reminder for the work that we are to do because, you know, go and make disciples of all nations. It didn't say the Holy Spirit's going to do your job for you. It says you need to go and I will send a help for you. So you're not alone in it, but, you know, it, it's it, it's a collaborative effort, so to speak. So we can mm -hmm. go more into that, but that's just sort of one way of approaching that. Hopefully that no, answers I think I think that's a great introduction. Um, next thing I'm going to bring up here is more of a statement, but it's a common statement. So I'd love to hear kind of like how you react to it. Cause I think it's a really important thing as Christians suggest it's from deconverted man. What's up my man, Dan. Uh, he says, there's no evidence for God, just bad arguments. A really important idea to be engaging with. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what your thoughts are, Karsten. The things when people say, you know, there is no evidence for God. Uh, this one is, what about your a lot of things that are assumed in the question of if there is no evidence for God? So how what are we thinking of with evidence? Now, I can't speak for deconverted man, 
But a lot of times when people are approaching evidence, they're looking for something that's objective. They're looking for something that's objectively true outside of themselves. They're looking for that. Then you also then have to ask the question of, okay, well then if it's not subjective, then it's something that's true regardless of personal opinion. So hmm. concept of evidence, you're looking at something that is outside opinion. It's sort of similar to the attributes of God. So by inserting the picture, we're already appealing to this sort of abstract thing that we are trying to base an argument against God on, but you all things underneath that to even start making an observation about evidence. And, and really the conclusion of that just is, you know, in order for truth to be objective, it has to be outside of ourselves view of God of ourselves, it's capable for being the foundation of truth. In a certain way, the search for an objective evidence for something is an objective basis that truth exists and there's a foundation for it. It's a big conversation. That's one way I would approach that. Um, but I would also approach it in a different way, depending on the person and say conclusion and getting to know the person, that second option. So, you know, di different ways of approaching it. If you think you're going to talk to the person again, which hopefully the converted man and I can speak again, or if you're just giving you know, one time answers, different ways of approaching that. Uh, the only thing I'll add is, uh, it's really interesting. I was listening to the Matt Dillahunty, Tyler Vela debate as I was walking um, to and from class today. And even Matt Dillahunty mm -hmm. admits there that there is evidence for God. He just thinks it's really bad. Um, so mm -hmm. with respect to that, because he'd say something like personal testimony. I got, he said, would count as evidence in the sense that it's people who would claim to have experienced God. He just thinks it's really, really uh, bad evidence is what Matt would say. Um, so I do think there's yeah. some, and you don't have to agree with how we can obviously talk about how good it is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Here. Go ahead. No, uh, you have anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, maybe, but we'll see this question here. Okay. Dan says, I have a question uh, for both of you. Um, it says, how is someone saved? Really good question from Dan here. Yeah. And, and one other thing you said, his name is Dan. Yes. With the question before uh, regarding evidence and things like that, that's I, I wanted to point out an overall way of pointing to the Christian God. That's just sort of a conversation to ask, what are you thinking about when you say evidence to point someone away from subjectivity to objectivity? What are you actually thinking about here? So just want to point that out. That's a criticism sometime that people come back with with me. Just an opening conversation. Someone says now, to this question, how is someone saved? Obviously, we could go straight to scripture, believe with your mouth, mouth, and believe with your mouth, confess with your tongue that Jesus Christ is, uh, um, you know, I think overcomplicate this in many aspects, but um, I, I want to get, because this was also directed to you, Zach, how, how would you approach this question in a succinct mm. way? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think my favorite way to kind of walk through the gospel would be the Romans road. Uh, if we're going to do it in a very brief mm -hmm. way, you have Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You got Romans 3, 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans 10, 9 through 10. Therefore, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I think at least 
for, for my personal preference, I'd probably think that's the quickest way to kind of like walk through the gospel and kind of just give a little bit of commentary. And just like, if we're talking with someone who isn't a Christian, maybe just ask them like, what do you think about this verse? Do you agree with this? Um, things like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a very much a one-on-one conversation, but I'm glad that Deconverted Man is asking the question because it shows an authenticity for trying correctly. Mm. And hey, Dan, if you're ready to become a Christian, you know, we're ready for you. <laughs> we're ready. Today could be the day, my man, Dan. Today could be the day. Uh, Skeptical Mantis says, even if God d- did exist, so what? He doesn't seem to answer mm. to any prayers in any reliable way. I don't see a way to interact with this God. Uh, so what does it matter whether it exists or not? Really good question here. Uh, Skeptical Good Mantis. question. Yeah, I'm glad Skeptical Mantis is back. Love the username, by the way. That's a good one. <laughs> it's a pretty epic username and thumbnail. You, you have to say. That's pretty cool. I got to give that to you. So um, he doesn't seem to answer prayers in a rule. Uh, I would sort of ask you as well why that would be a factor in acknowledging God if he doesn't answer prayers. You know, someone can, I still exist even if I don't answer phone calls to some of my friends, if I miss a phone call or a text, you know, I'm still an important person in their life, even though we might not call all that often, right? Um, It's also this question of, in a reliable way, I don't see a way to interest God. Assuming that there was no way to interact with, that does not in and of itself give us the basis for saying matter, right? So we may never interact with the president or vice president, but we still have to respect the laws that they put in place, right? So we may never speak directly with God, but that does authority over our life. Doesn't mean that he's no longer judge and creator. Doesn't mean that he no longer has a perspective about our lives that's greater than our own. It doesn't mean that his um, knowledge about what's best for you is invalidated. Uh, so just keep in mind, prayer does God's authority and validate our obligation to obey that authority. Hmm. Yeah, I'll just give a couple of my thoughts. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> mean, that's a question. I just kind of gathered my thoughts. Um, but I, I don't know if that he doesn't seem to answer in prayer in any reliable way. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say that you can interact with this God, I believe, uh, as a Christian. You know, if you seek God with all of your heart, you will find him. I think that's very clear mm-hmm. biblical teaching and i think it's something that matches up with reality but it's a really good question uh another question here for dan actually we'll go this one first very briefly he says uh perhaps yeah. you should do a talk then a debate next time out of here apologize also i know that karsten would know i would talk to him on his channel whenever we well dan i'd always love to be on and i'm sure karsten would say the same but i'll let you decide karsten <laughs> yeah, absolutely like i am here i've been in a plethora of conver uh, I, I love to talk about deconversion and people's stories with stuff like if you're open i'm open maybe we can do something collaboratively and make that work i'm always on well i say i'm always on i'm typically on periscope i'm taking a break right now so if you see me real quick so that's an option too (laughs) 
There is a link for Karsten down below. You can shoot him a message on something, and you know how to find me, Dan. Uh, question here uh, for Karsten. Yeah. It says, if you had to choose between the, these two, which would you choose and why? Either God does not exist, but an afterlife does, or no afterlife exists, but God does not exist. Interesting question. Either God does not exist, but an afterlife does, or no afterlife exists, but God does exist. Uh, I think the examples don't cohere because to have an afterlife without God, there is an objective basis for time outside of our area that is governed by something that wouldn't really have any sort of foundational basis. So it's, I'm not really sure how you can justify an afterlife without God and no afterlife exists, but God exists. And in that sense, God would already be outside of our time. So in an afterlife and sort of returning to that sphere of time. So I'm not really sure how that one works either. Um, I well that, um, you know, it's two options. So you, you could say that you're choosing between either or, and some people, if they want to get really technical, would say, oh, that's the either or fallacy. But you know, there could also be a third view that God exists and there is an afterlife. And if that's the case, you're welcome to join God in the afterlife. And it solves the problem there. So you can pick the third option. <laughs> We're ready for you, Dan. We're ready for you. Uh, last question here, and then we'll go to wrap things up here. Ah, does Karsten say? Vroom, vroom. I have no idea what Dan is talking about with that. <laughs> But um, I have said that on one occasion. I'm not going to say it here. I feel like it's going to be a meme or something. So <laughs> I'm trying to keep that from this guy. Karsten will abstain belief from saying for the rest of this. But Karsten, yes. it's been really fun, my man. A great conversation. Uh, any kind of like last thoughts we have before we wrap things up here? Yeah, for sure. So as Zach mentioned, all my links are in the comments below. And for all of the questions that we interacted with here, these were very brief uh, interactions with these questions. So if you want to carry on, definitely reach out to me in the comments below um, or, you know, through my links. And I'm not just saying that I really mean like you can reach out to me. It's, it's no big deal. Um, one of the other links is down there is I'm part of a recent collaboration channel that just launched called Symposia Christi happening, um, nearby on campus where I'm at. It's sort of going to be, we have a video up there, but it's kind of a mishmash of different views. So I'm Protestant. We have some Catholic people that are sort of the founders of it. And then we're going to be interviewing some skeptics and some philosophers. And it's going to be very much like a symposium of uh, beliefs on there. So I would encourage you guys as my YouTube certain kind of going under some renovations right now, but that one's going to be more active for content. Dan says I'm downloading his videos. So I can have Zach saying vroom vroom in my videos. I knew. <laughs> oh no. It's me. I'm exposed. I'm exposed. My YouTube man. career has been destroyed by Dan, the deconverted. Oh man. man. <laughs> well, he, he uh, didn't catch me this time. Yeah. <laughs> if you go on his channel, he's going to get you. Just be ready. Uh, thanks uh, for tuning in, everyone, too. As in here in Apologetics, as always, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, if you're new here, I encourage you to subscribe, leave a like. If you're listening via podcast, please give us a rating, only if it's five stars. If not, please don't review. Just kidding. Love to hear your <laughs> thoughts. Uh, your support means a lot.
a lot in however you're following us. If you enjoy the show, you can support the show on patreon.com slash adherent apologetics. As a college student, this is my part-time job. This is how I eat food. So if you enjoy the show, you can support the show on patreon.com slash adherent apologetics. We're about 75% funded, give or take. Um, so your support goes a long ways. But Karsten, it's been real, my man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Zach. It's been great. It has been great. Thank you. Praise Jesus. Deconverted man, skeptical mantis, and everyone else who 